You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. You know, I can wave now. Technology's catching up. There's a, there's a red light on, and I know where, which camera to direct my <laughs> attention to. Um, this is Joss Parrish, who is the captain of the ship. He runs all the controls and uh, hardly ever misses a, a beat or misses a hook turn. If you're a Victorian, you understand what a hook turn is <laughs> and just how important it is never to get it wrong. See, we've just moved cameras yet again. We've got a sensational uh, special guest. We've got a couple of uh, guests today in this next hour of football, talking about the state of our football nation. Just before we cross to our special guest, who is chomping at the bit because he's achieved, sorry, his club and the team that he's been supporting for an awful long time have done something that very few teams do this this day that is they travel to Adelaide and they come away with the points but more about him in just a moment uh just got to touch on last week very quickly mm-hmm. I said to you last week in the Liberty Women's League uh Melbourne City up against Sydney who would get up and you said well I predicted that uh Sydney FC would go through and get the home grand final. Yep, but uh, how did you feel when City was 2-0 up? <laughs> <laughs> well, my co-host on our women's football show, Radio Dub, is Bakua Frimpong, and uh, she went a little early celebrating on, on Twitter that we were going to have a grand final I'm in with Melbourne. Her. I, I felt, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, and then we saw Victory play Adelaide, mm-hmm. and? Uh, Melina Ayres coming back into the team. C- clinical finisher she oh, is. Best God. finisher in the league, as uh, Alex Chidiak told us on Tuesday night, and she proved that. Okay, so what happens this week? It's Melbourne Derby on Sunday. Correct. There's also a Melbourne Derby on Saturday. Yeah, we've got a double bill. <laughs> oh, wow. This is the one that we were supposed to have a, a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the Asian uh, uh, qualifiers, things had to be moved around. Well, enough of that. Let's catch up with our special guest. Um, you know, about way back in 2012, which seems like about a century ago, um, a young man was given a uh, a, a chore. He was given a challenge. And they said to him, are you up for the challenge? Uh, he not only was up to the challenge, but his club did something quite remarkable. They not only burst onto the scene, gave the, AF, uh, the A-League the biggest boost it had ever seen. It awakened the beast in Western Sydney. And we saw an army emerge and we saw a team do something quite extraordinary. Can you take us back, Joshua, just for a little flash or a little memory? Is there anything you got for me? Well, I remember Ante Kovic's save from that ah, game. That is the defining the memory. Save. With, the, with the laser lights in his face from the crowd <laughs> in, in Saudi Arabia, protecting the 1-0 the lead oh. from the first leg with literally everything he had and making one of the most impossible stops yep. I've ever yep. seen. Yep. It seemed like the stars aligned for the Wanderers that night. It was surreal, honestly, they to did. watch. The Western Sydney Wanderers did something that no club in Australia has done since. Uh, they were magical. They were brand new. They were a force to be reckoned with. And Ante in goal should not have got anywhere near it. But, you know, as you say, the gods, the football gods sometimes play things like that. They gave him and they gave their fans one of the biggest thrills, and Ante should have a statue, which, which we need to direct out to our special guest. John Tatsimas uh, is about to call it a day. Mate, welcome to FNR. What a fabulous journey it's been for you and the club and all the, all the incarnations, uh, the various 
teams that you've put out onto the paddock since 2012. Uh, can you take us back, John, way back to just before you got the phone call? What were you thinking of doing in those days? What were you doing? Well, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I just left the Newcastle Jets not long ago. That's earlier. right. That's right. And thank you for having me on the show, uh, Josh and George, and much appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, a long time ago, and, uh, and certainly I got, I got a call from um, from uh, Tony Popovich and asked him, uh, he asked me to to, to come and join um, uh, what um, he was planning and um, uh, that we had nothing at the time, and it's well known that uh, nothing at the time, and um, and certainly the story, and you're very, it's been 10 years, but it, and it goes very quickly, and a lot's been done, and it seems a long time, but a lot has been done that hasn't been done in other places in a very short period of time. And I need to say this, and I'm going to say this unequivocally, it cannot have been done with a great deal of good people around, players, staff, volunteers, fans, and visions of people who are in the board, and just the people in general from the Western Sydney community and the business community. It could not have been done without all those people, uh, whether they're here or whether they're passed through. Um, that story would not have been the story it was without all those people. Uh, John, you're absolutely right, and we should never forget anyone, and that includes the many volunteers, that each and every football club at any tier deserves and needs to get, to, to make things happen. But I, I reflect back at that time, and the A-League desperately needed uh, that giant of the West to stand up. I can remember three clubs, Marconi, I can remember uh, Sydney, Croatia in the old NSL. They were... They were dynamic uh, matches and the big crowds, and they used to create, uh, you know, fantastic energy. And we had been missing it with the introduction of the A-League. And suddenly, it seems to me that that dream that, um, you know, Tony and others started to put together to form way back in uh, 2012, as you say, a decade ago, um, the stars aligned. Uh, Josh mentioned the stars. The football gods aligned too and gave you a chance to bring together a bunch of players who had a bit about them. They weren't just uh, journeymen. They were solid players and some of them had one or two very special moments still to give you. And Ante, uh, does he deserve that statue now on reflection? Uh, look, Ante, he's a, he's a legend of the club, what he did. And, and you talk with Josh, you referred to earlier about the... Um, the um, laser in his eyes in the final. We actually had him in the semi-final and in the quarters as well. Once he won in China, one in Korea, and um, you know uh, the challenge in trying to alleviate those pressures uh, for him as a goalkeeper and the players themselves uh, at that time was certainly a, um, without manual, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> he's still gone out there and, and did what he did in that particular game, and whoever yeah, remembered and rightly so. And, an outstanding performance, as were all those lines that took place in those in that in that campaign, even from the outset. So you need to understand as well that that at the start of that campaign, um, we were halfway through. By the time we got to the quarterfinals, we had lost the grand final to um, uh, the, uh, the Brisbane Roar, I understand, and um, and we had to get on a plane and go to San Francisco and play a round of sixteen match. And it was about a 38-hour trip the very next day. And we got some uh, a relatively good results. And um, 
And at the end of that campaign, some, a lot of the, so that squad was changed over for the next season because you could do it at the, after that. And our, our A-League season had finished. So there's another group of players that had, a lot of them had changed as well. So we need to acknowledge the players that got us to the round of 16 and another group of players that actually got us through to the, the final and won it. So uh, it was a bigger story than just those people that were in the finals. You know, when you when you put it that way, it's like uh, Liverpool or any of the current uh, EPL clubs getting to the final of the or the semi-finals of the uh, European Championship and then having to change their squad. That'd be unheard of. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 you know, the, the, the players had an opportunity to go elsewhere or the coach decided to go another way or whatever the reason may be. But we had it was a it was a calendar year campaign in a, in, a, in, a, in a domestic calendar that's actually essentially a financial year campaign. So you need to merge the right and get the the, the chemistry right. And um, and a credit to all involved, in particular the coach that uh, was able to ascertain what he needed and, and those players that pulled through. John, I want to rewind to, to 2012 when that first squad was getting put together and, and on paper it, it kind of looked like a team of rejects. I mean, <laughs> yep. uh, in your role as, as general manager back then, uh, when did you know that this group was actually capable of something special? And uh, Because, you know, it started slowly in a way. I remember you didn't score for the first few weeks. You had this resolute defence, but the team after that just got on this winning run that seemingly wouldn't stop. Uh, well, yeah, well, we need to understand a lot of those players, you know, upon reflection, a lot of them were contracted players and a lot of them weren't wanted by their current clubs. Mm. Um, so there were discussions and negotiations to get players out and people I was meeting at my house and, and whatnot. But the story that, that really energised us was we only had about three months really to get to the pre-season and, and whatnot. And, and I remember... Uh, uh, Popper was still at Crystal Palace, if you, if you might recall yep, the time, yep. finishing up there. And, and we couldn't find a ground. We couldn't find um, – uh, well, the home ground was going to be Parramatta Stadium, but we didn't have the financials on that. And um, We had no training ground, and we went to the Olympic, um, the old Olympic – Blacktown Olympic Park that hosted baseball and whatnot, so that the council here was most accommodating. But at the time, um, I remember clearly when I knew we were in the, probably – going to have a relatively good season was Pop has come over and um, and he's just landed from the from the airport and he's come to my house and he showed me this presentation. And, and like I said, I've said it a couple of times, but I don't think the credit's been given to the coach in terms of that. He's come to my house and he's shown me a presentation he wants to show the players. And the presentation showed, turns the laptop on we're in the, we're in the patio there at the back and he goes, you know, this is the presentation on it. And um, and on it was points, performance, premiership. And then he pressed the slide, which blew me away. And, you know, you, you, you go, right, come on, mate. But, you know, and he had Asian Champions League wins. <laughs> this is before we picked the ball, right? I can say it. He won't say it, but I can say it. Wow. And, and you know, it's easy for me to say two years out that we're going to do that. because. But we, I go, all right, no worries. But we only had six players on the books at the top. Gee. So I said to him, yeah, it's good. Let's get – maybe we get 15 of them before you show it. <laughs> and, yeah, and that was it. And it was only when – and you might remember this, George. We had no – we didn't get the, a, a significant budget, but we were able to go to uh, – on a pre-season trip because of the, of the, the kindness of uh, uh, your old joint, Melbourne Heart, Scotty Munn, who said, mate, can you come up 
to to Ballon and Lismore and we'll play a trial game up there. That's right. Gee. And at that time, I had to go to the airport pick up Yusuf Fursi, who was like a little school kid on, on a bag <laughs> in, in Brisbane Airport. At, um, <laughs> and, and, and at the time, it was we had to stay at a motel. It was one of those old school motels you see in a high school movie out of Richmond High or something like that in 1982, right? And I'm there, and they're lining up, and I'm doing their gas bills and their electricity connections and their visas. And, you know, it was like a line up outside. And there was a smoker's chair, and we had no meeting room. So we, I went up to the to the to the, to the uh, owner of the motel. And I said, "I need a place where we can meet for the first time." Because we had a congregate, and he's gone. He goes, "I'll give you the kitchen and the restaurant area, and I'll give it to this to it this time and this time." So what we did was we went there. We closed the me and Auntie Miller since we're closing the blinds and around <laughs> just to get some some privacy. Some some yes, yeah, it's, it's the middle of the day, right? So you, you, it's. And then Pop has done the presentation. So I'm sitting on the side there and I'm seeing the jugular pop out of his veins and, and, and as he's presenting this thing and I'm looking at the side of all the players, not my player move, mm. right? So he had captured them at that time. They had the belief. We weren't flush with anything. Um, their surrounds were very primitive. But, you know, with the help of the FFA, I need to say that, and um, and and the people around us at the time in that playing group who believed in the vision, it was business from that night. So we got one or draw there against John Aloisi's team, and we go, hey, it's okay. It's not that bad, you know. And, and then it built from there. And Tony built, obviously, Tony built from a defensive point of view very, very early and built the structure. And once the patterns of play started to emerge, everyone bought in. And while we weren't scoring early on, he had this belief and the players were resolute in their belief that it would come. And once the, once the uh, momentum kicked in, then we're a juggernaut. You've got to understand too, this was a time when Ange was coaching Melbourne Victory. Yeah. Uh, Arnie was at the Mariners. You know, they were very, very well-regarded coaches and teams in that time. And we were only three or four months old. You know, when you reflect and take us back and give us a sense of uh, – the enormity of the challenge ahead, it makes your achievement even more remarkable. I mean, if we made a movie, there'd be people say to me, uh, George, you've laid it on a bit thick, and Johnny, uh, you need to rewrite it because it doesn't stand up. Yeah. Yeah, look, at the time, that backroom staff was very, very thin. It was Anton Milicic. It was uh, Adam Waterson as the strength and conditioning guy and, and one or two others. That You don't have the cohort that you have now in the A-League. Um, but 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 Popper was well versed, and he had a, and a great lieutenant in, in Tesla and and, um, and and some people here that just want to be part of the story. You need to understand as well. You know, you talked to George about you know the old NSL days, which I love by the way, and I, you know I grew up in it, and, and, and like you, watching the Olympic. And, but you know, there was an Italian team, there was a there was a Greek team, a Croatian team, there was there was everyone, right? Yep. Polonia. But there's 180 nationalities in this area that all came together for the one team, right? For the one team, and it's unheard of. It was a farmland that was yet to be, you know, yield the, the you know, the, the product that it can produce. You know, I grew up in the area, so it was personal for me. Papa grew up in there; it was personal for yeah. him. I, I, you know, I, I had I had a, a dangerous, well, I had a, a severe incident where I cracked my head open, and I've got the scars because I'm a bald guy now, and I see it every day. So <laughs> when I shave my head, but 
my parents had to race me to hospital and they couldn't find it or take me here because Blacktown wouldn't take any juniors and I had to go to Campbelltown Hospital. So when we talk about community, we talk about the football club, we talk about we talk about the what it means for the region. It's personal to the people here for who long for a long period of time have been ignored, not only mm-hmm. in sporting terms, mm-hmm. but in, in, in community terms, in infrastructure terms and economic terms, right? We have 300,000 up until recently, 300,000 people going to work in the city every day and only 100,000 going to work every, coming back the other way, right? Mm. So they come home late, challenges the family, they don't see their kids, it challenges on the marriage relationships or whatever it is. So when we talk about football club, the football club is a vehicle for everything. Yeah, It brings everyone together. And, and while we haven't had success in recent times, our community mantra and involvement has been second to none and that hasn't changed you know uh, when you when you put it like that uh, we we talk about a summoning we talk about uh, an awakening we talk about a gathering of forces and it seemed to me that it was absolutely a must for western sydney to have a team it was absolutely imperative that they display all the hallmarks of those grand old NSL clubs. In other words, they had to be damn hard to beat. End of story. That's and right. and they had to be uh, your your go to team. They you wore you wore it on your shirt. You wore it on your jacket. You wore it on your on your hat. Uh, and and it was your place of um, of. Uh, you know, letting go all that stress that you speak about, and the Saturday or the Sunday was the place. It was that religion that we speak of, and I can remember it um, clearly at Panhellenic. I can remember it at Sydney Olympic, um, and I've been shown just how it was treated um, in the in the glory days of South Melbourne, and what it meant to be at Middle Park or at Lakeside. It was a religion. And all the communities would come together. But Western Sydney had something else, as you said earlier. They'd been denied any contribution until that moment. Take us back to that first week. Um, did you have an office? No, no. We, we, look, we didn't have an office. We didn't have a training ground uh, at all. Uh, and, and Pop was landing. It was, it was funny because I'd speak to him myriad times once 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 a day uh, obviously it was about 11 30 p.m at night when I <laughs> him because he was in london obviously and i used to remind him <laughs> everything was long distance <laughs> yeah, but that was okay but you know we, we we didn't have an office for three months uh in the end um we started hiring some staff and uh, with the assistance of the ffa and so i used to come to training here at blacktown and pick up two bags catch a train to the ffa till about seven to nine ten o'clock at night because don't forget and the other thing is very important here to know. We were a club, because we're owned by the FFA as well, we were a club that was incumbent upon us to set up a W League team, uh-huh. a National Youth League team, mm. and an A-League team in three months. Not and, and teams subsequent that's come in subsequent to us haven't had that obligation. They need to set up themselves and get some traction. We didn't have that, that and we wouldn't have it any other way. Because if we were truly a community club, then... Uh, 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 male and female need to be represented, and the youth need to be uh, have have, a, have an outlet here. And continuing in that vein, we are in a unique situation that we do not charge our youth. You have seen our youth scattered all over the league, whether they play for the Wanderers or not. We are very proud to see them because they originate from here and have the opportunity here, and we don't charge them to to, to play. Unlike um, mm. most of them. 
John, uh, you talk about those early days where you know you really didn't have any resources. Now the Wanderers are the envy of the league with regards to you know the academy and and the world class new stadium that you're able to play at. Uh, so the obvious thing that's eluded the Wanderers in, in recent seasons has been that repeating that success on the pitch for the for the first team. Um, and you've spoken about how important Tony Popovich was in those early days as a, a kind of inspirational figurehead. Uh, do you feel the same way about Mark Rodan, who's just been appointed on a long-term contract? Yeah, I think I think Mark, I think Mark, and you've seen the team, and you've seen it as recently as last night. We probably didn't play it our best way, but we were resolute. We were gritty, determined. Yeah, we were committed. Those players were committed. Mm. You, you will see elements, hallmarks, not only of the football club of the region. It's blue collar. It, re- it reflected those early elements of where we were at. Correct. And Scraped and fought, then we got to win. Because LA is a hell of a place to go. I, I've done this for 15 years. <laughs> hell of a place to go. Not many times have I come back from Adelaide with a smile on my face. Same as at Perth, right? And Wellington. All those trips are hard. But you saw an element there that reflective of the region and of this football club and of its original DNA. And you also saw last night uh, a young boy from the Western Sydney region. Uh, the, the, you know, his roots, Nadjarine. His roots are Western Sydney. And he, yeah. and he opened the scoring for you. Yeah, look, Rami. And Robert, Rami's a product of our academy, right? Yeah, and yeah. Rami's a product of our academy. And he went away, went to Melbourne City. Yeah, where he flourished. Uh, he flourished. And he's come yeah. back home. Yeah. His brother's in our academy as well. And, 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 and a proud moment, and I don't think too much has been made of it. And Keanu Backers, one of the original um, players in our academy, wore the armband last night. And, <sighs> and that is the story mm. that this club is built upon, right? That's yeah. what we want to do. You know, win, win or lose, what are you doing away from the pitch that brings an element to the, to the oh, we need to win, we, are, we won't escape that. that that's, that's paramount at the forefront because we can see the passion that these fans have and the expectations are very high based on those early years, right? But it's a very proud moment to see one of your own kids wear the armband with pride and a number of those players are from our academy have graduated to the first team. It means it means something more when you put it like that, because to me, it, I can see the image now of the baton being passed generation to generation. The youngster who's come through the club and is now the captain of the club. Um, yeah, it adds. It's a very special and very poignant moment, and it and it must be for you too, because you you've put your hand up and you've said my time at the club is nigh. Um, it, you'll finish at the end of the season and the season is fast approaching an end. Uh, we've got some exciting uh, games coming up. Uh, Mark Rodan is just starting to get the sort of results you guys have been hoping for that he might be able to achieve when you appointed him. Um, there are some very interesting uh, you know, char- characters at the club. You've, you've, got some, you've got some real characters. You've also discovered some wonderful talent do you think there's enough time to make those last adjustments that Mark will do, because we've seen him now on a couple of different occasions, create some really creative teams to play some good football? Have you got enough to get you to the finals? Look, I think the change was made for that in mind. Yep. I mean, it'd be folly for us to give up on a season that we believe, if you talk to anyone, the talent is there in this squad. It has been. It always has been. It's just about um, being able to... to to wear the pressure as well as the jersey and everything that comes with it. 
Our, our club has high expectations. Our fans demanded, and rightly so. So do our corporate partners, and so does the region itself. And I think uh, the change was made to to enable us to 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 give Mark the proper running. The challenge is up for him. He's obviously coming in without a proper pre-season, uh, with different style of play, if, if, if that's so he chooses. Um, but we have every belief that we're on the right road. We have every belief that we'll be heading into the finals. Um, we're on an, except we're about to embark on an exciting road here, in a, a road trip here. And and I think um, there'll be some, some, some good times ahead for the Wanderers uh, fans very, very soon. Well, we're obviously, you know, everyone's hoping that, that Mark Rudan will be a success there because, you know, the, the A-League in many ways needs a successful Western Sydney Wanderers and, and a passionate fan base uh, following them. But uh, what's the, the architecture in place for the long term? Because we know the reality of football is coaches come and go. There have been a few coaches that have come through since Tony Popovich in terms of, you know, you know Gombaugh and Robinson and others. What's the long-term architecture in place at the club to ensure that no matter who's coaching the team, those values that you talk about are adhered to in terms of bringing through the young players and playing a certain way? Look, those conversations and, and, and the reason that I've I've made my announcement at the time was to enable the board and, and, and those in charge to be able to make that strategy themselves. Hmm. I think um, uh, I think that. M- Giving Mark the the opportunity to to plan what he needs to plan with a running will will, will allow the board to assess where that needs to be. I think you'll see uh, more things more evident in in a very short period of time. I think it's better for others to comment on that scene sure. that I've now that made that that call, and that's the reason I've done that. Um, but having said that, everything's in place. There are twelve hectares of land here being developed. It is the ultimate place. We've had nothing but torrential rain here for the last month, and those pitches the very next day were playable for our academy youth and women, right? So these are facilities. We don't have to go out hiring. We don't have to go begging. We don't have to calling. We don't have to Everything is here for every player to perform at their optimum level. Now, it's incumbent on everyone involved in the club, including me as a CEO during that time, to make sure that the best results and everything is in place for that to happen. Um, we've provided everything we can. Now we hope those results follow, and I have no doubt that they will. The great times are ahead for the Wanderers. That's fantastic stuff. Now, what's left for you? Look, I'm in a space of uh, now transitioning the next couple of months and ensuring that um, any loose ends are, are covered. Scott, Scott, Scotty Hudson now, who's been with the club for nine years, um, he's, he's, he's appointed as general manager and will do a fantastic job here. Um, but he's ably supported by a great group of people here and you know you've got Mark Jensen here is the operations manager you've got Gavin Costello Natalie Gatt has been with us from the from from the outset uh, in our marketing team Patrick Bullis Jeremy Cesar in our media they all get it right so Ian Cook in the academy and Danny Agartos has been on your show George with yep. the membership mm-hmm. firm and, and whatnot and, and and like I said we're very fortunate that we've got Paul Letterer as, as you know as the chairman of this club who has led this vision, doesn't matter what plans and strategies and that, uh, things take dollars and, and cents to put on the table and him and the board and, uh, you know, thankfully uh, Jefferson Chin and Glenn Duncan have, have seen the vision, subscribe to it and put their money where their mouth is. And, George, you've seen in the game since 1977 and before that, that's the hardest part. It's okay, we can talk vision, we can talk strategy. Hey, but to do that in a relatively short period of time and push everything through, credit to them and credit to the chairman. 
Fantastic stuff. Listen, it's uh, been a joy to catch up with you. We know you've got uh, a few weeks left. Uh, we wish you every success. It's been a remarkable decade. You can have the naysayers and critics saying, you haven't had the, uh, the wins lately, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. There are an awful lot of people who, who say, we're gonna, we're gonna. You went far and beyond that. You delivered, and you delivered from, uh, from a base that, as I said to Josh, if we had to write a script, for Hollywood, they'd knock it back because they'd say no one's going to believe it. You've scaled the heights, my my young man. Um, you, you may have given up a bit more hair than you you wanted to, but you know what? It's that chrome dome is shining even on this screen. Uh, we wish you every success for your next adventure. But uh, I think you've left some wonderful people with some very very solid rocks to work with. And uh, what a tremendous uh, journey still lies ahead for the next captains who are going to pick up the cudgels. And uh, I leave you with that image of your, your, your current captain, one of the original youngsters who was brought in, and he's been the full journey with the club. Mm. Now, it's and I for told him. him that last night, George. I told him that in the dressing room. I'm very proud. You, you know what's we there together. You know what's and, he, and he actually played with my son as a 10-year-old. So... I know the, as a kid, so it's, it's it's very particular. But, George, you remember when we met at Coffs Harbour all those years ago? Oh, God. That okay, you remember that. And we were at embryonic stage and where we were and where we are. So I thank you for your support. I thank you, Josh, as well, for having us on the show. Thank you for having my colleagues on the show. And I look forward to seeing us down the track at some point. Ah, fantastic stuff. That was a marvellous time at Coffs Harbour and uh, they went above and beyond. We got access to everybody and uh, it was a marvellous time because it was the FFA Cup in its infancy and the club was giving us an an opportunity to see behind the scenes. So it was very special. John Tatsumas, our special guest on FNR, taking us back through what was a, a tremendous decade of football, one initially of superb success, uh, a, na- a, a an Asian title. Mm. No, no club in Australia has got close. So that's some journey. And uh, t- congratulations to everybody, the players, the sponsors who were wrapped up early. Can you imagine how excited they would have been? <laughs> what a return. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, now, now the journey is can we continue? And for Bacchus, young Bacchus, the ultimate journey for him would be to deliver a premiership you know, mm. as a captain. Oh, wow. Could you imagine? Yeah, it would be wonderful. Let's take a break. We've got another special guest coming up. And this time we're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, football uh, at the grassroots and what it takes Mm. and how much work is done behind the scenes. And we'll also talk about some of the other things that have been happening. Uh, And, of course, dare dare I tell you, uh, my team won overnight, but we're playing West Ham on the weekend. So we need to win two in a row to start breaking this curse of one up one back, one up, one back. George, I also want to ask you what you think of Bruno Fornaroli in a Socceroos jersey. Oh, okay, <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come What's coming up? Go. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Talk about the football gods, Iniesta. You just channeled him, and what did he do? He, he, he launched four goals against victory the other day in the Asian qualifier. Yeah, he was, he was superb, wasn't he? Well, for victory to go overseas, to score three goals and lose, ouch. <laughs> well, it's a tremendous effort. I mean, one player's been rewarded out of all of that, though, Nick D'Agostino getting the Socceroos call. Yes, and quite rightly so. Look, he, mm. he, he has always looked to me as the sort of young man you need to promote, you need to support, because 
what they what those young players need is confidence at every level. And he's he's an animal. He's got beast. He's got he's got it in him. Mm. So if he can go to the next level, it'd be super exciting. Um, um, but uh, Iniesta, what a talent! Still, uh, how old is he? Thirty nine, fifty. He's ageless, I think. He's ageless. Yes. Look, he he's getting paid still, about as much money as the entire A League combined. Uh, quite possibly, but <laughs> but when they return results like that, uh, mm. you know. Mm. Excellent stuff. What did you make of it? Did you pull your hair out? Uh, You've well, got enough was, hair to pull. It, it was it was certainly uh, thrilling end to end stuff and confronting. Um, yes, uh, heartbreaking for yeah. sure. But uh, I was going into the game with very low expectations. Sure, Victory exceeded them and then gave me hope, and then <laughs> then tore it tore it down. That's in the, the last worst minute. thing about football. It gives you hope, <laughs> and it just takes it away from you. But you know, we talk about hope. We talk about hope. Mm-hmm. Um, a little earlier this season, I was at Amy Park and I caught up with a young woman called Kate Kuyate and she has three daughters who all love the game. Uh, they're all super talented. Um, the eldest one, of course, had to break the ice and she's done all the heavy lifting. And the youngsters that have followed, they're just cruising. They've just picked up on what the elder sister went and they've gone, we can do better, <laughs> which is what happened with younger <laughs> sisters. Uh, they, they're super talented. They, they come from a fabulous family. Uh, Kate joins us, and she's, I think it's in Kyneton. Where are you, Kate? Yeah, we're in Kyneton okay. down at the Kyneton District Soccer Club. Fantastic. Uh, via Zoom again, we've got Ron Cole. And who do I see there looking resplendent in her tracky dacks? Aisha. Aisha, how are you? Good, thank you. Now, I didn't say anything wrong, did I? Your elder sister did all the heavy lifting and, and, and yeah. the rest of you just come along and just having fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ron, if I can jump in here, um, you, you guys have done something tremendous. Um, we should mention that when Kate spoke to me at the at Amy Park a number of weeks back, and it is quite a half a, half a season ago, um, the the we got to talking about you know re- regional football uh, grassroots football and Kate was very quick to tell me you guys had had a ground only problem was you couldn't play too many games at it uh, because there was a problem with drainage uh, is that right Ron Yeah that's correct George usually um, we get to about end of June and we get the, uh, the the first winter rains if we get twenty mils or over. Uh, the ground just turns to a mud heap and, and we're off there. We can't train. We can't play. Our games have to be moved away. So, yeah, it's, it's not really good. Well, we got you guys on the radio and you gave us a sense that uh, you had a challenge and we wished you well at the time. Um, uh, Kate's rung me again and she's gone, do you know what? Some of those football gods uh, now have found us a way to access some money to help us get the ground playable. Now, Give us the update. What's the latest version? Is it the local member has done whatever they've could, they they could, and has the state government or the federal government come in? Who who are the key players that have helped to make a, a poor decision a very good one? Well, we went through uh, Macedon Ranges Shire Council, and we we put in in conjunction with them an application to the state government in the uh, World Game Funding stream. Yep. Uh, to upgrade, upgrade our ground and we got the great news about just over a week ago that we were successful with the application. Uh, our local member rang me and, and gave me the news. So, um, yeah, we've uh, been lucky enough to get $500,000 from the state government through the World Game Funding 
uh, and Macedon Rangers Shire Council are putting in $250,000 as well to um, upgrade our ground. What has the reaction been from everyone at the club in, in relation to this news? Because I know you've been waiting for it for a long time. Oh, look, it's been fantastic. Everybody's um, over the moon and really excited about it and, and trying to get through this season so we can uh, get onto a decent ground next year. I was going to say... But yeah, there's a, real, there's a real air of expectation about it and everybody's really looking forward to, to it happening. Well, Isha, Amy and Caddy, I'm sure, will benefit. But the thing is now, this, this comes about because suddenly we've got a Women's World Cup coming and everyone's now looking to help the game grow at every level. Uh, is that your view too, Ron? Is that why oh, we've look, been is, fortunate to get to get some money? Yes, it is, It is, George. I mean, we're um, in the situation here. Football Victoria are, are looking to have a 50-50 gender split by, I think it's the year 2025. Uh-huh. Um, we're currently sitting, last year we had um, female participation at the club was 42%. Um, and 58% male, so we're well on the way to that 50-50 gender split. So we're, our female participation is growing, and and obviously to have a good playing surface is uh, something that will keep attracting the, the young girls and the old girls down there to play. <laughs> what about dressing rooms? Is that the next stage of uh, development and you need more money for that? Well, that's where um, this, this stream of funding we were actually targeting for uh, more female-friendly change rooms. Yep. Uh, facilities, but obviously with the um, sports rorts taking away our our money for the ground um, about three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is now, uh, we've had to change our tack a little bit and um, obviously the ground is one of the, the most important things. Without a ground, you can't play, obviously, which Too we sure. know. Yeah. So we, we've had to basically um, change our tack about where we went and obviously now that's probably put us about 10 years back on on where we were because this funding should have gone towards or we would have actually applied for female-friendly change rooms. So I'm just wondering, there is a state election, uh, as we know, coming very soon, around about November, but there's a federal election before then and uh, we're hearing from both sides. Everyone depends on which side of the fence you're on. It's either pork barrelling or it's uh, doing something meaningful for the community. My, my view is let's keep talking about it and we may be able to find a way to uh, get more distribution to those grassroots clubs that really need it. As you say, you were on the cusp and you've lost some money that should have been there. Uh, as we know, that area is bustling. Uh, how many women are actually, uh, you know, t- are you turning back or are you able to accommodate all of them who are asking and wanting to play? We're a, we're a very inclusive club, George. We don't turn anybody away. Fantastic. Everybody's welcome down here and, and we'll always find them somewhere to play. So it's not a case of if you come down and there's not a team, we'll tell you to go away. No, we, we, we take everybody and, like I say, we if we have to, we'll create another team so that we can keep people keep people playing the sport. Kate, if, if you want to jump in, I just wanted to ask how important the club's been in, in your life and, and for your family. Oh, look, it, it's been the best thing that we've ever done for our <laughs> girls, obviously with three girls. Um, we were looking for a sport for them to play and a club that was going to be inclusive um, for a club that was going to be inclusive for them and it was going to look after our girls and provide them with a safe 
uh, welcoming environment for them to play in, which is exactly what we have down here in Kyneton. We've just had um, our, two of our younger, our under eights and our under 10 girls training just now. We've literally just finished that. And the feel of, you know, the girls feeling like they've got their pride in their team, they've got pride in their club, and that's ultimately what we wanted for our kids. And um, the club's provided that, you know, the fact that it's so welcoming and so inclusive of everybody is fantastic. And like we were saying before, the next step forward for us is to have, you know, those specific uh, female change rooms so that the girls, the kids, the um, the younger girls, the teenage girls especially, and the women have got a um, secure environment where they can um, leave all their belongings. They've got dedicated change rooms that are specifically for them. They don't have to worry about sharing with the men um, or the boys and having that space for the girls so we can really, you know, we're, we're doing so well with our female participation. Like Ron said, we're nearly up to 50% females, um, especially with the younger kids. It's just fantastic and that's that's the environment that I want for my girls. Uh, Isha, I, I can see you looking over mum's shoulder there. Uh, are you excited about the prospect of a Women's World Cup and games being played in Victoria? Yes, I'm really excited. I want to go and see, like, all of them, especially the Matildas play. You know, uh, the young Matildas have been given a fantastic opportunity to uh, participate in international competition. And uh, come August of this year, the young Matildas will be going to um, uh, overseas to play in in. Uh, in a, in, a, in a part of the world that not too many people know about, but uh, they've got uh, two, I think, uh, two squads getting ready. Mm. Uh, the matches will be played in... It's Costa Rica, Josh. It's Costa Rica. So that's, that's a right. fair trek. You, you... It, is a, it is a long <laughs> way away. Um, but for me, what's very exciting is we're going to see the next crop, the, kip, the, the girls mm. that will be pushing the Matildas, the current Matildas, all the way to the finish line. Uh, for when, you know, the coaches need to pick the the final squad mm. to play in the Women's World Cup. Um, what's the Women's World Cup, the idea of having a Women's World Cup just around the corner, Isha? Um, is the competition already between you, Amy and Caddy? <laughs> um, or are you just pushing them back and saying, come on, it's my time, my time? <laughs> I... I mean, I love watching them play and everything, but I don't know how I'd feel if we were ever on the same team as each other. Wow. I think, um, I, don't know, I just don't know how it'd be playing on the same team as my sister because I'd probably just want to kick a ball at her face most of the time. <laughs> Is that the competitive streak? Is that that competitive streak? Must be your father. I can't see it. Your mother being 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 like that. Yeah. Your mother. Your mother's all about love and music and harmony. Uh, it must be the the competition that dad has. That competitive yeah, streak. Yeah, we're all pretty competitive. <laughs> Kate, what did you do when when you married I don't that know. man? It's- it certainly doesn't come from me. There's yeah. not a competitive bone in my body, but, uh, yeah. Speak speak to me about that. And, Ron, too, uh, just let, give us a sense. What's this news meant to the to the game in this country, to the game in this state, uh, men and women? Um, how much how much noise is, 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 is uh, coming out of this Women's World Cup down under being played between uh, in Australia and also in New Zealand? Oh look, I think it's a it's a fantastic thing for the region. I think it's a fantastic thing for our sport. Uh, it's only going to keep keep the participation levels growing. And 
and you hear people talking about it all the time. Uh, it's going to be fantastic to see and I can't wait for it to start. I think it's really important that um, that as as female, you know, sports players, that our girls have got actual role models that they can go and see, you know, this is an amazing opportunity for the younger generation, you know, like Aisha, she's sort of, you know, nearly 16, but for the younger girls who are, you know, 10 and uh, 7, it's an amazing opportunity for them to be able to see you know, sports women at their prime and, you know, be able to go down to Melbourne and watch some games of their where they're playing people from all around the world and have that inspiration, you know, in our in our home country. It's it's pretty amazing. Well well there you're a remarkable multicultural family. This this for me, the opportunity for the girls to see international competition in their backyard is is something very, very special. Um, tell me, uh, Isha who who is your fan favorite? Who who is your favorite Matilda? Um, probably Ellie Carpenter. All right, okay. Uh, the the flash on the right hand side of the field <laughs> who 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 runs like a greyhound. Uh, what about uh, Amy and and Caddy? Do they have favorites? Um, Caddy's. I think she's I think is maybe Mary Fowler. Ah, yeah, okay. And then Amy's is Steph Cowley. Of course, there you go. So the three of you have done pretty well. You've you've identified three of the the brightest sparks in the Matilda camp. Young Mary Fowler is uh, Kate. What's it like watching uh, someone as as beautifully gifted as 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 uh, Mary Fowler play, uh, knowing she comes from again. Um, Papua New Guinea heritage, mm. and is it Irish? Yeah, she's got a whole yeah. a lot of passport stamps, but I'm pretty sure you've you nailed on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's amazing. Like, I think you know, Luke, growing up in in a small t- country town, I think it's you know something that we lack here in Kyneton is cultural diversity. You know, we're the cultural diversity in Malmesbury. There's not much more than us. And um, and I think for me as a parent, for my girls to be watching the sport that they love yep. and to see Indigenous players, you, then you've got, you know, uh, is it Princess Abibi? Yep. Um, all these other amazing players who come from a range of different backgrounds, all there representing Australia, yep. doing amazing things for the sport. But I can't ask for more, you know, fabulous role models for my girls. Well, uh, we've got our producer here tonight, Pakua. He's also a uh, host of our women's football show. And I got a big thumbs up in the background uh, <laughs> when you named those three players. So, so good taste. <laughs> Super taste. <laughs> Absolutely. So we all know the most important thing after you watch the Matildas is being able to go out and, uh, and try and emulate them on, on the field. So uh, you must be excited next season uh, to be able to not miss any more training sessions or have to go on those long drives when the, when the games get shifted. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, Ron, uh, let me just take this opportunity to say uh, it's it's been quite some time uh, since we heard uh, the, the news uh, that you needed some support and it's great to see that uh, both council and state government have seen fit to uh, support the club and offer you something in the vicinity of, what is it, 750000 that uh, yep. is likely to come now. And, and uh, what would you need... To get the um, the uh, the um, uh, the change rooms now modified or or renovated, how much more would oh, you need? We're talking another quarter mil. We're probably looking around about the same, probably somewhere in the vicinity of five five hundred to, to seven hundred and fifty to okay. to get what we really need. Yeah, right. as okay. far as change, female friendly change rooms, 
toilet facilities, all the rest of it, storerooms, all that sort of stuff. Well, that's the but, next project. Uh, that's our next project at FNR. <laughs> We're going to try and, and get uh, everyone uh, involved uh, to talk uh, as often as we can to, to not only council, but not only state government, but to the federal government. There are two big elections coming up. There must be an opportunity to uh, to strike a nerve, Ron. You know what that means. And, yeah, I, and, I and, and, do. And uh, Kate, once again, thank you for giving us an opportunity and a heads up as to what's been happening and to hear that the Isha, uh, Amy and Caddy uh, are getting excited about a Women's World Cup. Uh, listen, keep it up. Keep keep us in the loop. And congratulations. And, and once again, congratulations uh, on, the, on the amount of money that's coming out. And uh, we would love to get down there and see a game. When's the new season start? Uh, the season kicks off... Uh, 24th of 24th April. 24th of April, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe we'll go next year when it's all done up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New get, well, get ready, Ron. 12 months from now, <laughs> we're going to have a, a, a road trip from <laughs> Melbourne to Kyneton. George, if you could uh, get Bridget McKenzie and give her a road trip to Kyneton in June or July, I'd be more than happy to see her. See what we can do for you. Ron Cole, Kate Kutaya, and Amy, or Isha rather. Amy's Amy's nearby always. I, I can always tell. She's training at the moment. Oh, she's training. Well, thank you, Isha. All the very, very best, darling. And uh, once again, to, thank you to Mum and uh, to Ron. I really appreciate you taking the opportunity to join us and to give us a, a, an update on what's been happening uh, in Kyneton uh, and the good news that the club now has quite some money uh, and, and an opportunity now to make that ground, which can be unplayable whenever it rains, uh, very much playable because the new drainage system is going to make a huge difference. Thank you, guys. All the very, very best. All right. Thanks Thank for you. Time, George. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Isn't that great? Nice to have a happy ending to one of these oh, stories. We need, uh, the, we amount need. Of, the amount of spots we've done about insufficient facilities, all this kind of stuff that it's just an epidemic, especially here in Victoria with so many uh, clubs struggling to just find space to play. And it's nice to check in with one of the clubs that we've had on a little while ago and the disappointment that we saw last time out when they missed out on funding uh, to see it come back around and they've they've finally got approved. Look, time and time again, we've seen um, uh, the AFL in this country play a very strategic game. Mm. They, do it, they do it better than anybody. And uh, I'm still fascinated how the state government can offer up $200 million, $220 million to the AFL to help them renovate their own product called Marvel Stadium. I don't know how that works. Um, but mm, it's, New uh, Brownlow rooms versus yeah, a yeah, community oh, club oh, who's yeah, got yeah, a flooded yeah. pitch. I look, mean, look if, we're talking, if we're talking about Victorians and all Victorians, regional Victoria... Everyone's talking about a Commonwealth Games coming. Uh, let's make sure that regional Victoria gets as much support as possible, especially with uh, what's happened with COVID. We've seen more and more families make a decision that to no longer uh, you know, struggle in the heart of the city. They've decided that they want some room and they're going out mm. to, to regional Victoria. Well, let's make sure, whoever, whichever government is in play, uh, let's make sure that we give them every opportunity, not only to live... Uh, a, a life that, uh, that's uh, that's well balanced and uh, and uh, and healthy, but let's make sure they have the infrastructure and and, and uh, facilities needed to uh, make sure that their competitive days and their days of relaxation are uh, done properly. It'd be fantastic to mm. see another half a million dollars. I know it, it, it sounds a lot of money, but when you think about a community facility 
that has change rooms and is playable throughout the season. Uh, we saw um, Melbourne City, I mentioned it once before, one of the smart things they did at Bandura, they they put a 24-hour pitch, a 24-7-day uh, pitch, they put a, an artificial pitch down and allowed 32 schools access to that, that particular mm. facility. Now, that's that's a remarkable thing to do. I'm just wondering with the decommissioning if that artificial pitch is still available to those schools. I would hope so uh, because that's that's something you don't want to lose. Mm. Great, great, great out, outcome. Uh, I wonder if it's been returned to La Trobe and La Trobe now makes it available to the schools. That would be ideal. We'd have to hopefully, check up on that. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll have okay. to do our research. But, uh, George, before we go, Socceroos squad. Uh, yeah, you asked. This is the question you're going to ask yeah. me uh, about young Bruno Fornaroli. Yes, well, okay. 34 years young, to yeah. be precise. Look, he's not the first uh, uh, um, Australian, uh, new Australian, mm. that's been snaffled up and uh, given uh, you know access to playing elite sport. I can remember, and you wouldn't remember this, but it was a number of years ago we had a couple of Russians very much in the news, um, a pole vaulter and uh, a high jumper and uh, or a triple jumper. Um, they were so good and they were given uh, a fast entry into Australia and they were given a special dispensation to participate in an Olympic Games. So uh, ask me the question again. Bruno Fornaroli for the Socceroos. I don't have a problem. There are all these people out there saying, why don't you play the youngsters? Um, on one level, we need results. Bruno is going to give you something that the youngsters mm. may not be able to give you. Look, the Agostinis and, uh, Agostinos and others, yes, they need the opportunities to play and, and they would be, uh, you know, buoyed by the chance to, to don the, uh, the Socceroos jumper. But I just think uh, one, one thing that we lack at the moment is that cutting edge? In fact, we've we've lacked it for a lifetime. Um, we had Viduka, and, and there were people mm. who complained about Viduka uh, because Viduka's Mark was never allowed to play his proper role. He was he always had to accommodate the, the the players around him. Could you imagine if we had a team that allowed Viduka to express himself? <laughs> oh dear, that would have been quite something. Uh, it, it didn't happen. We've got an opportunity now to give uh, Bruno. Bruno will not let us down. Uh, he will play. I can imagine how proud he'd be. Um, given given a half an inch, he might just squeeze a goal or two that will make a difference. Well, it'll be very interesting if we do make it to the inter- intercontinental playoff and we play Uruguay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a live possibility at the moment, George. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Do you risk Fornaroli in a game like that? Absolutely. That could be oh, interesting. I, I, I couldn't think of anything more exciting. Yeah, oh, can you amazing. imagine letting him letting him loose? Listen, I'm I'm currently on the Uruguay wagon because there's a young man who's just joined Spurs called Beton Kerr, mm. and um, he's he's I'm I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I've always been a fan of Beton Kerr. He, he seemed to stall a little bit at Juve, but he maybe needed a, a fresh start. Yeah, yeah. And what do you make of young Kulusevski? Ah, uh, he's he's a hell of a player. I've always been a fan Ooh. of him. I mean, he's he's this delicate technical player in a big boy's body. <laughs> yeah, he is. And that's a dangerous combination. And smarts. Mm. I, I'm seeing him doing things and 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 offering uh, others an opportunity to to come into the game and, and to join the the forays going forward. 
And that's Spurs have to be the most unpredictable team oh, in world football at the moment. Win loss. Actually, yeah. maybe it is predictable. It's just if they won last week, they're going to lose this week, and oh, vice versa. For thanks for that. Well, <laughs> we're playing. We're not. We're not. We're not playing any easy beats. We're mm. playing West Ham. Mm. Uh, is the game away or at, or at, at, at Tottenham? That's the the big question mark. Not that it'll make any difference because, again, as uh, Josh mentioned, uh, it's been one week win, uh, and it doesn't matter who. We play. We, we've played. We've beaten the champions twice this year. We're the are we the only team that have beaten Manchester City. Mm, got twice? the best record against Manchester yeah, City. There you go. There you go. And yet, and and yet we we lost to Burnley. Yeah, uh, the oh. games. The, uh, you did lose to Burnley, and the game is at White Hart Lane. So. Oh, mm, um, there but you go. back to the Socceroos. Um, other big talking points. Denny Jonro gets the call up this time. I, I think Jonro uh, is just a, a marvelous young player. Mm. Uh, who's really finding his feet uh, in in Europe. And uh, look, I, I've liked him from the first day he ran onto the pitch playing for City, uh, even in the, in, the, in, the, in the youth team. I thought what he was doing, along with the likes of Najarine and, and others, um, they, were, they were, you could see Azani, and they, they seemed to have that lovely um, mm. uh, elegance. Uh, you know, it, it's called football alarm. They they play with a with a with a life force that's very different. It's not heads down, the ball's there. They would look up and and make their way around the ground. That's when you see that in a footballer, it's always exciting. It's always exciting. Nathaniel Atkinson got a call up as well, which is big. Uh, no such luck for his teammate Cami Devlin, who's done his hamstring at an inopportune time. Otherwise, he might have been in the frame. Well, you know, in sport and in life, uh, opportunities avail themselves. You've just got to be in a position to take advantage. And I say to every young player, don't be intimidated by the opportunity. Embrace it. Uh, you know, this is what it's about. This is what you train for. This is what you dream about. Um, let, allow the nerves to, to go right through you, but don't let them scare you. Don't let them paralyze you. We saw a young kid called Cam Smith. Uh, he only won about $5 million playing golf the other day. Uh, and, he, and the shots that he played, he had to play to get him into that final uh, green to, to, to strike and win mm. by a shot. You have to be brave. If he had wanted to lay up, there'd be no, there's no glory. You know, they say no guts, no glory. You've got to have the courage of your convictions. You've got to have the courage of, of your talent. You've got to have, deep down, a desire and a will to win. And I've said it to you guys from day one. Remember when we were talking broadcasting? Don't be afraid. You, you know the sport. Mm. You, know the, you know the people we're talking about. Just have fun. Just have fun. And don't do what some journalists want to do, and that is um, play politics. Mm. Just if you do your craft, if you do your business, if you do, you, you know, your, uh, your, your career justice, You'll always benefit, and, and and the viewer and the and the uh, and your listener will also benefit out of it because they'll they'll learn something, um, and uh, it's not about you know being at the centre. It's about just doing the job, and if you do it well, you'll be rewarded many many times over. Well, the Socceroos playing against Japan, it's a it's a big one. It's, yeah, look, I've, tough... I've got an invitation to go, but and and the problem is. I'd love to go, but I don't want to jinx the boys. (laughs) I I think we get better results when I'm not there. The only time, the only time, and and this stems from that horror moment when something happened at the MCG and we were playing that team Mm. and that serial pest ran onto the ground. 
And from that day on, I've always felt if I hadn't have gone, <laughs> it may things may have been different. Maybe we, if you'd been working security, things would be yes. different. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that. I don't look again. Ask the question: mm. How in heaven's name did he get in there? Did he use an AFL pass? Mm, perhaps. But, perhaps. Uh, hey. Oh dear. Well, skullduggery. Yes. Uh, this one, I've. Personally, I have no issue with Bruno playing for the Socceroos. I think we we need we have a striker shortage at the moment. Yep. Uh, with Taggart out of action and and Jamie McLaren's going to miss the Saudi yep. Arabia game. Uh, Nikita Rukovitsia well, couldn't get into the country, uh, so it, the options were thin on the ground. And Fornaroli offers something that most of our forwards don't, which is the ability to receive the ball to yep. feet, correct, and hold it up and play in a teammate. And even at thirty four, even when you know he's not the best Bruno that we've seen in the That's A-League. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, after he, I think, broke his ankle at City, I don't think he's quite been the same player, but he's still very effective. He's still been carrying a Perth Glory team that has honestly been quite poor this year. Uh, no sign of Daniel Sturridge. So no. the responsibility's fallen to him. So I have no real problem with with Fornaroli playing a role in this in this qualifier. We've got plenty of uh, Socceroos in the squad who'd barely even been to Australia before they were selected. Correct. Um, but just because they're not naturalised foreign citizens. I mean, Bruno Fornaroli spent more time in the country than Fran Karacic or Martin Boyle. So. Have you ever listened to Harry Suter speak? Mm. Yeah, it's exactly. A, a great Australian accent, he is. <laughs> not. Uh, and we've always had... Uh, Migrants in our national team. Of course we have. Look, think of, of the seventy-four team. A nation of migrants. Ba- barely in a barely in a skip accent among them. The boys that, <laughs> that went with Raleigh to the World Cup. So uh, well, that's not Oja, quite true. Ojakov, but... Ojakov, yeah, great player. No, Nori Alston still speaks with a with an English accent. He does, so. and it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change. No, a thing. you wouldn't. No, so no, and no. that's I think that's a, a simplistic simplistic view. the 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 real thing is is how we get to this situation in the first place. Yep, and. He won't even let if, us down. And even if we do have, you know, an elite striker up front, does it change the equation? Yes and no. I think the Socceroos' biggest problem in recent games has been a failure to not only create scoring chances, but also control the pace of the game and keep possession when they needed to. And I think that was the clearest uh, obstacle in Oman in the last 10 minutes where we brought off Aaron Moy and we, we lost not the keep the ball. That's right. Look, at bo- bossing the game, there's a reason why it's called mm. bossing the game. And the minute you lose that, then you're, you're, you're open to everything that comes with it. Uh, speaking of bossing the games, who's going to boss the, uh, the preliminary final and who's going to boss the derby uh, on Saturday night at Amy? Um, and the stakes are huge. Yes. Well, victory making the trip back from Japan, I think, hands the advantage to City. Uh, not sure if the players that have been caught up, like McLaren and, and Leckie, will play a part or not. Haven't looked into that. So that that could change the equation slightly. But uh, as for the uh, the dub, the A-League women's, Myself and Pakua differed again in our predictions this week. Pakua okay. thinks uh, City's going to do it, but oh, I, I, I think I think victory. I'm loving that woman. I, I I worry about her EPL stats, but she she has a really good side. She's an Arsenal woman, um, and she's got a pretty exciting team. Actually, no, I remember now. She actually abstained from uh, giving she? a prediction, but I can tell she Gee. thinks City's going to win. Um, <laughs> uh, just via ESP, and uh, I think victory. Uh, just riding a riding a wave at the moment. There's some good vibes in that. That team, I think, 
Sometimes you just hit upon a good good dynamic. Molina Ayres coming in at the perfect time might be the difference maker again. All right. Okay. So you've gone for victory mm-hmm. and victory. Is that how you've gone? Uh, I think I think City might get the job done in the men's. Ooh. Okay. I think it might okay. be a split. Okay. All right. Well, it was a split last time. Mm. Uh, so the stakes are, are really up. Um, very interesting. I, I'm going to go as I normally do uh, with a bold call. I'm going to go city and city. I'm shocked. Uh, aren't you shocked? <laughs> they won't go let him city. into the chairman's otherwise. <laughs> all right. That's all from us here at State of Our Football Nation. We'll catch you again next week. But don't miss the Lions Den back. Preston Lions oh. back in the studio tonight, 8 o'clock. We've got both head coaches coming in, Louis Zevsky from the men's team and Dan Fodden of the women's. Their season kicks off this weekend, so stay tuned for that. Imagine the Lions at FNR. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.